Good morning, Grace South Bay. My name is Brian Sui. As Bob said, I'm the pastor at Reform University Fellowship at San Jose State, and it's my privilege to open God's word with you this morning. Uh, This is the last Sunday of 2020, so we're after Christmas, but before New Year's, and I think that, that this Sunday is a really good Sunday for reflection. Not so much reflection on on the year, I think we've done a lot of that, but reflection on our Christian lives. Our passage this morning is going to tell us that there are general but definable stages to the Christian life. Now, if you're investigating Christianity or you haven't made a profession of faith yet, uh, I I want you to know that this passage is really important for you too. Uh, Jesus wants you to know that, wants you to know what you're getting into if you decide to become a Christian. And so this morning, we get a glimpse, uh, in, in general, what it looks like to be a Christian for the, for the entirety of the Christian life. So as you decide, do I want to follow Jesus with my whole life? This is something you might want to pay attention to. And so with that, would you turn to Mark 4, 26 through 29? We're going to pay special attention and focus on verse 28. Mark 4, 26 through 29. This is God's word. And he said, This is Jesus speaking. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you watch over us our whole lives, our whole lives with you. And I pray that you would help us to understand what it looks like to walk with you, what what we can expect when we uh, give our lives over to you. Uh, Give us a general sense of what it looks like uh, in the ups and downs and in the unexpected, knowing that you are our great shepherd and you will lead us and you will complete the work that you started in us. Guide us this day, O Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, You have always appreciated when someone told you that life had certain stages in it. I remember uh, one important teacher was my sixth grade teacher. Here's what he told us to do. He said, I want everyone in the class to raise up both of their arms and then turn to their neighbor and sniff, turn to their other neighbor and sniff. How many of you thought your neighbor stank? And a lot of us raised our hands. It's like, well, here's the thing. That's not your neighbor. That's actually you. And you need deodorant. And, uh, and that's, so in sixth grade, I learned that growing up literally stinks. Uh, more than that, you're going to get hair in, in places you didn't know hair should be growing. You're going to get pimples that are going to show up. Your face is going to be greasy. You're going to have mood swings. Uh, can you imagine if you went through that and nobody told you that that was going to happen to you? It would be horrible. And can you imagine uh, the relief that you felt when someone told you, you know what, uh, this stage isn't going to last forever. You're not always going to have a greasy face full of pimples. Your voice isn't going to crack like that. You're going to gain control of it. Well, what a relief that is. What if I told you that when you live as a Christian, you're going to go through three distinct stages uh, and uh, Jesus seems to be saying in this metaphor of the grain. He says the kingdom of God is like a plant that sprouts up and the first sign of life that we see, a fruiting life, is this blade and then 
uh, the ear appears, and then the full-grown ripe ear. Now, if you're like me, you've passed over this passage many times uh, and either thought nothing or thought, okay, Jesus is saying something about farming, but I'm not really, not really sure. I'm getting why that's important, and, and I'm just moving on. Uh, this passage is also surrounded by two big ones. Uh, the parable of the sower, it's very famous, and the parable of the mustard seed. And so this passage often gets passed by. And uh, understanding uh, this passage requires a little bit of a different approach in our interpretation. Usually, when you study a passage in the Bible, uh, you can look at context. So, so historical context or literary context will give us some clues to the meaning. Uh, sometimes we're assisted by looking deep into the passage's language. Sometimes a pastor will say, well, in the Greek or the Hebrew, it says this. Uh, that's not, uh, neither of those tools is going to help us to, to really think about this passage. But there are passages like the one this morning where in order to understand what Jesus is saying, it, it requires you to slow down and contemplate. Not just think in general, but think about what Jesus is saying and think about the entirety of Scripture and how God has worked in the lives of his people and, and to contemplate and think about your life. Now, I want to admit that I'm not very good at that, uh, but one of my favorite theologians, uh, John Newton, we sing his hymns even today, uh, did slow down enough and, and did observe the, the profound thing that Jesus is saying in that our lives in the kingdom of God generally have three different stages. And so I've, I've borrowed heavily from Newton's work. Um, and I think one of the reasons that we rarely hear something like this is because you and I know that our, the, from one Christian life to the next, uh, is, is really different between from one person to the next. Uh, you can imagine that a Christian living in a persecuted part of the Middle East is going to have a really different experience than, say, a Christian uh, who's lived in America. And your Christian experience will be different uh, if you grew up in the church, uh, not knowing one day where you didn't know Jesus, or if you came to Jesus later in life, maybe through a dramatic conversion. And so to make the claim that generally everyone, all Christians, through time, and it doesn't matter where you live, go through distinct stages, I think is really bold. Uh, the risk here is that you might say, well, well, that really doesn't describe my walk with Jesus. And uh, it's true there are always extraordinary cases, like someone may have a condition where they, they don't go through puberty. Uh, you know, they have a pituitary gland situation. Uh, that doesn't mean they're not human, but on the whole and in general, God's people uh, through scripture, and, and also you can observe it in the lives of, of, of someone walking with Jesus all their life, this progression, these stages that they go through. And so this morning, let's slow down and, and think about them so you can understand where you've been, what's happening to you now, and where you're headed. And so uh, the, the sermon outline points are grace in the blade, grace in the ear, and grace in the full-grown and ripe ear. I could have easily also chosen to outline it the way that the, the apostle in 1 John outlines it. He, he writes to children, and then young men, and then fathers. Uh, we could have also looked at the life of the disciples. What were they like when Jesus first met them? What were they like when they started their ministry after Jesus' resurrection? What were they like when they died in service to Jesus? We see this pattern, uh, but let's stick with the farming illustration. Uh, Jesus uses a farming metaphor, for, so let's do grace in the blade, grace in the ear, and grace in the full-blown ear. In our passage, Jesus is probably talking about the growth cycle of wheat, but uh, you and I have a lot more familiarity with corn. 
uh, that blade that the corn grows in is a lot more dramatic and green. Corn is, is bright yellow, and you and I have a lot of familiarity with corn in our supermarkets than we do with uh, unprocessed wheat. And so when I talk about these stages, just think in your mind corn. Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like a farmer who sows some seed, and the first sign of fruitful life, life is this blade. When you and I think of life, we think about a plant that, that sprouts out of the seed, but if you depended on a crop for your living, uh, you would not get excited about just a plant growing out of a seed. There are uh, so many things that could go wrong to foil and sabotage a crop. You are after the corn, and the first sign that corn is going to happen uh, is going to be the arrival of the blade. So let's talk about what it looks like in that very first stage uh, when you come to know Jesus. You know, as I think about it in all my life, I have never heard one sad Christian testimony of how they came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I've heard confusing and long Christian testimonies, but I have never heard an unhappy one. Listening to someone explain the new life that they have in Christ is, is a happy and a joyous occasion. When, when I think about this stage, I think about uh, the emotion of George Bailey. Hopefully you got to watch It's a Wonderful Life again during the Christmas season. And uh, the, the scene that I'm talking about is the very end uh, where he makes this dramatic turn about to commit suicide. Uh, and he has this, this big experience. And then he goes home and he finds that rather than the town hating him, they've rallied around him. They've given money. He is saved. I think becoming a Christian or becoming conscious of your trust in Christ for the first time is always exciting and amazing. Even for those of you who have grown up in the church, uh, you, you can readily confess that, uh, or, or you readily confess that I can't think of one time in my life where I didn't know Jesus. You can recall this moment where you became conscious of your spiritual lostness and the severity of your sin, and you realized uh, in a very acute way the grace of God. And this stage is often characterized by deep emotion, passion, and commitment. I know each of you has your own testimony of how you became aware of Jesus' free gift of grace, how you reached out of him, out to him, because of your great need as a sinner, uh, deserving God's judgment and his wrath, and you reached out and claimed the blood of the cross that Jesus died upon. And uh, that was the only way, you realize that was the only way that you could be made right with God. If you think back to what that time was like in your life, uh, it is one of the uh, most beautiful and emotionally satisfying times in your Christian life. You're, you love God with your whole heart uh, because you, you realize the magnitude of, of God's love for you. Uh, this time is so wonderful that I think that a lot of us long for the days of that first stage, uh, long for the love that we had. Uh, you might say things to yourself, um, you might say things to yourself like, why can't I love God like I used to? How come I'm not telling everyone about Jesus like I used to? You know, when I was younger, I used to sing my heart out to God and I used to read my Bible all the time. What happened? And I think that dissatisfaction with uh, your stage in the Christian life can also bleed into the way that you view church. Uh, if you've bounced around from church to church, you're, you're, you're sort of chasing after a church where you, you get the, those feelings that you had initially, you might find perpetual disappointment in the church here. And you might say things like, you know, I don't really see the Holy Spirit here. Uh, you might be attracted to churches that, that say things like, you know, we want to plant a church that's like the first century church. Um, and we want to do things the, the first century way. If we could only get back to those early days, 
then we could find our passion again. Then, then I'd be whole and complete. I'd be happy again. And I think that the blade metaphor here that Jesus uses is really helpful. The blade metaphor tells us that that first sign of life is amazing, but you're really not meant to, to stay in that stage. Uh, it, I'm not saying that if you're passionate uh, and your heart is bursting with emotion for Jesus that you're spiritually immature. I am definitely not saying that. But I am saying that God knows that you would be perfectly satisfied to stay there, uh, to, to live in that moment and to live in that way. And you need to know that God has so much more planned for your life. You love the blade stage. We love the blade stage. But you need to know that God is after the corn. You're meant to progress. Uh, progression doesn't mean leaving your passion, but God is going to add his character, his likeness to that passion. Let me put it to you this way. When a farmer plants his seed, he's waiting for that blade to appear. And when it does, you can know that he is overjoyed. He is overjoyed and, and God is overjoyed that you have come into the kingdom of God. But seriously, when that happened, you were pretty much useless. Now, let me, let me qualify what I mean by useless. When I was in junior high, I got to share the gospel with one of my friends. And, and by God's grace, he actually came to, became a Christian. He put his faith in the Lord Jesus. And I remember at a young age, think, uh, I was unable to escape the idea that I had led someone to Christ. Emphasis on I. And I think that emphasis on I in the Christian life is what I mean by useless. You know, there are multiple times in the gospels that Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to be handed over to the authorities. I'm going to be tortured and crucified. One of the times that happened was in Luke 9. Jesus finishes telling his disciples for, for uh, not the first time, you need to understand something. I'm going to be handed over to the authorities and crucified. And the first thing the disciples talk about is who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so even you can see that Jesus loves his disciples. He is overjoyed by them. But in that moment where they are jockeying for a position, even you can, you can see that the disciples in that, in that moment, they're basically useless. Uh, and, the, and the reason uh, you will want to progress from the warmth and the excitement of the blade stage is because the blade stage is a self-focused stage, which is amazing to think about because that's the condition that Jesus saved you in, uh, a very self-focused, self-centered person. Think about your concerns the very first time that you heard the gospel. This is maybe a little bit weird to think about. For many of us, at a fundamental level, we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ to escape the pain of eternal judgment and hell. Uh, and, and it's this fact that compelled you to reach out to Jesus for help and salvation. And that's by design. But what if I came to you and said, uh, hey, I want you to put your faith in Jesus and become a Christian because God is worthy of worship. He is so glorious. The second person in the Trinity is worthy of all honor, worship, and glory. I want you to turn from everything that you know and follow Jesus. I think in the early stages, you would ask me, yeah, but, but seriously, what's in it for me? We, we are born looking out for our best interest. When we're born in sin, uh, the condition that we're in, what we've inherited, uh, we, we, we just are looking out for, for our own protection we don't naturally seek after God's glory and his worship. And so our salvation is communicated to, to us in a way that, that's not only true to scripture, but compels us to reach out to Christ for salvation because we don't want to end up separated 
from God facing his wrath and judgment. Uh, but, but there's other evidences of our, of our self-focused lens. Uh, it's in this early stage that we wrestle with our doubts uh, and, and we struggle that. We say things to God, uh, even as Christians, God, if you're so good, why is this bad stuff happening to me? God, uh, you and your people seem so unintellectual. Uh, if I trust you, I'll look stupid. God, I'm scared and anxious. Why don't you ever do anything for me? God is patient with you at this stage. He's patient with us at, at every stage of the Christian life, but especially uh, at our greatest and most complex doubts. God lets us think the worst of him. He lets us accuse him of being unloving, not providing, hateful, and yet he never gives up on us. He continues to pursue us as a good father and he continually puts forward the sacrifice of his beloved son as a sign of his great love for us. He never gives up on us. Lastly, uh, one of the last reasons that you should want to move along from the blade stage, enjoy it, but move along from it, uh, be led by the Lord from it, is that this is actually our most judgmental and legalistic stage. When you realize the wonder of new life uh, in God, you get serious about him. You get serious about your commitment to him. You're serious about God's word. You get involved in the church and you learn a lot about God's law. And unfortunately, uh, this, is, this is a very common pattern. It's very easy to become prideful and judgmental. When I was in high school, Sunday school, I, uh, uh, apparently I was, um, well, firing off a bunch of Sunday school answers and it was really arrogant and it was very public. I had no idea that I was being so obnoxious. And my Sunday school teacher pulls me aside and he says, Brian, I love you and I care about you, but I, I see something in you that I've seen Satan use to take down so many brothers and sisters that I've known through time and that is pride. Um, and uh, he loved me enough to tell me that he saw that in me. I was being so judgmental and harsh with, with my Bible knowledge. Uh, and then he said something amazing. He said, Brian, have you read the whole Bible? I said, not all of it. And he said, I want you to go and read it cover to cover. See, my Sunday school teacher knew that this arrogant Bible know-it-all kid uh, didn't need less of God's word to become less legalistic and judgmental, but actually more of it, to know it more truly and faithfully, and not just to see the words as trivia, but to pursue the living God that spoke those words, to see him really in it. And that would bring humility. I want to I say again, uh, the blade stage is a happy stage. It is a wonderful stage. It is a stage full of good memories for me. Uh, John Newton says accurately that the Christian in this stage, let me tell you about him, his heart is warm, but his faith is weak. And if you're new to the faith, I want you to enjoy this time. But know that God has his eye on you and his plan for you is that you would become corn. So let's talk about that corn appearing. Our second point, grace in the ear. The second stage of the Christian life is characterized by conflict. Conflict within yourself and conflict with our world. And I want you to know that this conflict, as, as challenging as it is, is totally worth it. Let's talk about internal conflict. After you've been walking with Jesus for a while, he begins to do something in your life. He begins to open your heart and to peel back some blinders. And, and what you find is that God begins to reveal deep sins in your heart, in your thoughts, um, and in, uh, in, in your desires, and, often, uh, and also in your actions. And that 
is a very disorienting phase. It's disappointing. Uh, It can lead you to doubt that you're even a Christian at all. It's not uncommon in this stage for you to, for God to bring along uh, uh, a Christian coworker, or sorry, a non-Christian coworker or a non-Christian friend who is more moral than you, and that's very confusing. And as God opens your eyes to sins you didn't even know were there, um, you have to come to terms with what you really believe about the gospel. As, as God opens your eyes and you realize that you're, you haven't made as much progress as you thought, you're not as far along as you thought you would be, and there's more evil in your heart than you could possibly have realized, do you still believe that the blood of Jesus is powerful enough to cover that sin? As, as you've been uh, wrestling with a sin that, that you are so disappointed that you have to go back to Jesus again and again and again and repent of that sin that you struggle with, do you still believe in God's everlasting love for you, that he is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love? Do you really believe that Christ has saved you not by works, but by grace alone as a free gift? You will understand that more deeply uh, than in the first stage because God has removed the blinders, not, not completely, I think that if God completely removed the blinds, you'd disintegrate into nothing. But he gives you more of a glimpse into the, the depth of your sin and your lostness without him. And suddenly God's grace becomes, uh, you understand it in, in a much deeper way. You must go through this stage even though it is painful. This time is painful, it is humiliating, it is exposing, it, is, it makes you feel weak, but it is not self-righteous. It is not judgmental, and it's not legalistic. When you see people who sin uh, uh, either in the way that you sin uh, or in a way that is, is totally different than you, you don't, you don't go, oh, that's disgusting. That, that is erased from you, but instead you are filled with compassion for those who are struggling uh, either in a similar way or in a different way. But, but rooted out from you is this idea that you are superior to people. Uh, when someone is, is broken in sin, instead of kicking them while they're down, you lend a hand to lift them up. And a, as horrible as this time feels, it feels like you're almost going backwards. Um, you're not more righteous, but you're actually more, you, you feel more in debt to God. In that moment, you become more useful to him as a people who understands the depth and the wonder and the ocean of God's love that covers our sins. The second conflict we have is with the world, specifically tragedy with the world. I want you to think about when uh, bad things happen. Uh, You know, bad things happen to everyone in the world, but especially in this stage, God will bring various troubles. It could be uh, some kind of injustice committed against you that, that doesn't Uh, get answered, or perhaps it's a chronic illness that you develop, or or a terminal sickness, Uh, even the the death of someone close to you who was taken away from you, that you lost uh, before you were ready, before the time that you thought that you should lose them. The pain is so bad that you skip over the grumbling phase. Uh, Yeah, I think a lot about uh, COVID, the coronavirus, that uh, God has put a trial uh, on all of us generally, and when, when we get trials that are a little bit annoying, right? They sort of prevent us from doing what we want. We grumble. We struggle with that. But the pain that I'm talking about is so intense and so deep 
and so desperate that you skip right over the grumbling phase and you go right to the pleading phase. All you can say in your prayers is help, save, have mercy on me, O God. And scripture tells us that God uh, sometimes returns our pleading in this phase with silence. It seems like God withdraws himself from us. It's not true. He's with us, but, but he, he allows us to feel the feeling that we are alone. We have Psalms that talk about this. Psalm 13 says, begins with, how long, O Lord, will you forget me? Uh, some Psalms have no good resolution. Psalm 88 ends with, uh, you have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. In the book of Job in the Old Testament, he suffers through this long and drawn out phase, but he never gets an answer for why God brought him through that suffering. But in the end, he does confess that he, he sees God. And for him, that's enough. The, the author of Ecclesiastes does the same thing. Uh, this is in summary of what he says at the end of his book. After experiencing all that life has to offer, both joy and sorrow, he realizes that in the end, what his life is about, what his life can be about to have meaning is, to, is his relationship with God and to, the desire to glorify him and to live for him. That, uh, after everything that he's been through, is his life, life's purpose. In our suffering, you will learn to cling to Jesus uh, and to de- depend on him with your whole life. And it is in all of our suffering that we learn the intense love of Jesus. I want you to think about uh, a couple on their wedding day. Uh, when, when that couple says, I love you, it is true. Uh, it is absolutely true. It is real. It is genuine. But I want you to think about what it means after 10 years of marriage when a couple says, I love you. There's 10 years of sin, 10 years of forgiveness, 10 years of helping each other through tragedy. There's 10 years of joy and sorrow together. And when that couple says, I love you, there is something much deeper about that phrase, even though what they said on their wedding day is absolutely true. In the same way, you love Christ the very first day you put your faith in him. But when you walk through him through this phase where he uncovers your sin, when you walk with him through tragedy where the pain is so terrible that you almost lose the words uh, of prayer, you just call out to him uh, in, uh, in, in groans uh, too deep uh, to, to understand or, or, or to utter. There we understand God's love for us, the, the depth of his love in the gospel. And for that, we can praise the Lord. What about grace in the fully ripe ear? What's this stage like? Uh, it, is, it is something different. Uh, it is something wonderful. Although it looks, you can still tell that it's corn. To keep with our, our marriage analogy, think about the difference between saying I love you on your wedding and then after 10 years, but what about after 50 years? Now, uh, right now you might be drawn to uh, my age. Uh, you might know that, uh, how can I comment on what it's like to walk with Jesus for a lifetime? Well, I told you I was relying a lot on John Newton's work here, uh, and he's older than you, uh, so, so maybe, maybe that'll help you. Um, if you. If you've been listening, you might uh, have been waiting for this stage. Maybe you've thought, you know, I, you know I've been walking with Jesus for a long time. I'm pretty old. Uh, I think that I'm at the ripe stage of Christianity. Uh, if you thought that, it's important for you to know that you're not. Uh, fully ripe Christians, uh, we, we don't, they don't say things like that. Um, uh, we say things, uh, uh, fully ripe Christians say things like Paul says in Philippians 3.12. He says, not that I've obtained it, 
which is perfection, uh, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. He says again in 1 Timothy 1.15, uh, as a fully ripe Christian, uh, that he is the chief of sinners. Uh, this is not false humility. The fully ripe Christian has a lifetime of sins that they've confessed to God and a lifetime of appealing to Jesus' blood. Uh, in the young years stage, the Christian knows that he, sh- he should be humble. But in the ripe stage, you actually are. Uh, in this stage, I'm, I'm happy to report that this is the happiest of all three stages. It's not that the circumstances have changed, in fact, uh, or, or the trials have relaxed. In fact, uh, your life is probably even more challenging uh, as a mature Christian. But uh, the difference is that you have learned uh, that to have the Lord. You have him and that is enough. The world may still be falling apart. Your health is probably falling apart, but the mature Christian has peace with the Lord. Uh, You're also happy uh, in the way that you pray. Uh, We always say the Lord's Prayer here in worship, uh, but when you pray that part of the Lord's Prayer, when we say, your will be done, uh, you actually mean it. Uh, How many times do we pray that prayer and we say, uh, your will be done, but, but seriously, can you please give me like a good life? In the ripe stage, you actually want whatever God brings to you. Um, you. You have a sense of his deep fatherly love and care. And so whatever circumstance, whatever providence he brings to you, you know that it's from your loving heavenly father and you gladly accept it. The world has genuine less hold on a ripe Christian. Uh, the, uh, the maturity of the Christian, uh, he, he has serious power over the things of this world, the things that used to mean a lot to him, the things that, that he used to think uh, made this world run no longer matter. To him. It doesn't matter uh, if you've had a hard life or an easy life, a rich life or a poor life. Uh, none of those things determine happiness for the Christian. It's like this hymn that we sing, uh, and, uh, and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You actually get to experience that And you also live distinctly for God's glory alone. Uh, That's really changed. In the beginning, we lived uh, for God because of all these great things that he's done for us. But but something uh, fundamentally changes in this last stage where the thing that you you aim for, the thing that brings you the most joy and gladness is the glory of God. That's why Paul can say in Philippians that, I know that uh, what I really want from my life is to go and die and be with Jesus. But, but it's actually better. He has me here to serve you, the Philippians, and to write to you and to bless you and to help you along in this journey. I want to be with Jesus now. I've suffered so much. But because God wants me here, I will stay with you. Your love is also of a different character. It is full of years of deep dependence on the Lord Jesus. And that has infected who you are, and how you, uh, how you live in the community of God. When you see that, that young Christian, uh, that young Christian is on fire, he is passionate, he, he'll accuse people of, of not being active in the church. He'll say, how come those old people don't do evangelism, not like me? And the older, the more mature Christian will look and say, instead of being angry at that judgmental, uh, that, that judgmental and legalistic attitude, uh, that mature Christian will go, I remember what that was like. And I can't wait to see what God is going to do to transform that young man or that young woman. 
uh, into his image and you are genuinely happy and there, you are there to help. You, you have all these stories and these testimonies of God's goodness and you have this sweetness in your soul. It's important to know that maturity in Christ is not determined by, by what you look like visually. There are plenty of old uh, people who are in the church that are not mature in the Lord and that do not have, have this, uh, this sense of, of, of wonder, uh, wonderful peace about them. And that is not, that is not to shame you, uh, but it does mean that uh, continue to depend on the Lord, that God, just because you're old, God is not done with you. He is still working in your life and changing you and bringing about his character in your life. So we've gotten a chance uh, this morning to look at three different stages. I hope that they've encouraged you. The blade, the ear, and the, and the full ear. I've meant this time to be a time of assurance. I, I certainly don't want it to scare you if, if you, uh, maybe you don't see those stages progressing in your life. Uh, I did want you to know that as we went through them that if you experienced some of these things that were hard or challenging, to know that uh, this was perfectly a normal part of your Christian life, walking with Jesus. Uh, the characters in the Bible went through challenging times. You will go through challenging times, but know this, that God is at work through all of it to bring you closer to himself, to give you a greater degree of knowing his love. See, Jesus' love for you has never changed, but your love through this process grows deeper and deeper. If you haven't experienced these stages and you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, it doesn't mean that you're not a believer, but it's a good, uh, it's a good time to take stock and to think, do I know the Lord Jesus Christ? Is it possible that I've been faking it this whole time? And if, if you think that that's true, that's not a tragedy, that, that's wonderful that God has brought that to your attention. And so take this time, uh, reach out to the Lord in prayer, maybe for the first time genuinely, uh, come and reach out to a pastor and talk about uh, and be certain that you have relied upon the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and, uh, and it's on him alone that you depend. If you are younger and you're like, I haven't experienced any of these, uh, these, these stages, it may not mean that you're not a Christian, but it may mean that some of these stages are right around the corner. And that uh, is an exciting time. Uh, it's not meant to scare you, but it is meant to prepare you. These three stages are meant to show you Uh, and allow you to observe that the Lord is working in your life. He is faithful and he will complete the task that he began in your life and he will see it to the end and he will harvest you and bring you to himself as a ripe fruit, ripe ripe grain um, in his kingdom. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this time where we got to look at and think about and reflect on your work in our lives. I pray for Grace South Bay, that you would help us to walk with you, to know that you are the good shepherd, that you will lead us through every one of these stages. And as we grow and as we progress, your love and your light and your presence will grow deeper and and larger in our lives. We will look forward to these things, O Lord, guide us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.